1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. Yeah. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice Whoa. whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. So, welcome to the rector's cupboard, special edition. This is a, uh, uh, we've had to change plans. Nothing is certain right now. Or it it seems not. that nothing is certain. We are. probably say the date then. We change, are change March 16th, 2020. March yeah, 16th. Am I getting that right? And we are. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. That's going to be different. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. Of course, those who are listening will know that we are in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, something that, well, any of us who are alive now have not experienced before. And so we thought we actually had a change in, in another episode that was planned. And so we're here with the microphones and with some wine to taste. And we thought, Thank why don't we God. just talk about this for a few minutes? Do you minutes want to say where, we're, where, where we are? You tell us where we are. Okay. We are at Township 7. Uh, winery in Langley, and uh, we're going to be sampling some of their wines. This is all selections from their wine club. You can join their wine club, and you get uh, a selection of wines twice throughout the year. And uh, the first one we're trying is their Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, so that's going to have some caraway flavor. Tart. It's it's, it's quite very tart. tart. Um, nice sort of uh, summer drinking wine. Uh, hot weather drinking wine, and then we will go on to the Pinot Gris, and then finally the Viognier. We won't. Uh, we're just having one glass at a time, but uh, we'll we'll pour one those sample at one time. sample yes. at a time, not one glass not at a time. Three yeah. glasses. Yeah. <coughs> this is a three glass episode. So, What's but this is a beautiful this is Sauvignon Blanc. That's the Sauvignon yeah. Blanc. If you've uh, never been out to Township Seven, it's a lovely location. Lots of places to sit out when the weather is good. And, and uh, when you're allowed wine, to gather again, when, and when, when you're no when you're longer to gather. in isolation, uh, and the, most of their wine actually, their grapes come from up in the Okanagan. They have two uh, large vineyards up in the Okanagan where they grow most of their wine. Uh, it's made up there and then just brought down here because this is the original location of Township Seven. Uh, so they send the stuff down here and they do grow some stuff here, but not any of the stuff we're tasting. So thank you very <laughs> much. Ken. Township we have seven. we have now at the microphone. You a know that special guest Ken Bell is on the microphone. Allison Williams is on the yep, microphone. I'm here. Uh, my name is Todd Weeb. I'm on the microphone, and a special guest who's always here but not always on the microphone, Rick Calhoun. Ricky T. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Rick. Thank you. So let's talk about where we are. Not I don't mean Township Seven, but in the midst of this crisis, where it looks like things are going to get even more restrictive for the foreseeable future and everybody has all kinds of questions right now why don't i start with this little article i read this morning because it's kind of just curious this is an article from national geographic what which what uh, wine is that this is the pinot gris i quite like that Ooh, okay so it, does this seem this. weird like <laughs> we're literally wine tasting as we're talking sanitizer. about the apocalypse hand there's sand hand yeah, hand we'll sanitizer here are you allowed to share hand sanitizer no. is that well we are now wipe the bottle when you're done so this article was in National Geographic on March 14th, 2020, so a couple of days ago. Today is Monday. This would have been Saturday. And this article, can you see this picture, you guys? Rick, you see that? 
White plague doctors. Well, same you way. see the picture, the, the graphics. So there's these yep. masks. For our listeners, maybe we should describe. So what this. I'm, what we're looking at is there are these masks that are like bird masks that have the kind of curve like at the end that are quite movie. long. <laughs> Most people will have seen these. They oh, wear them yeah, at yeah, yeah. they wear them at carnival yeah. and different things. Yeah. And yeah. Actually, there's a picture in this article of people in Italy wearing them at a kind of a carnival celebration. <laughs> Just a couple of weeks Ooh, ago. That didn't but where well. the masks come from are actually uh, plague doctors. Plague yes. In the 17th century, the idea was that, th- that so it would be like, I guess, the kind of hazmat type of thing now. But the idea was that the plague was spread uh, by foul air. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there was a lot of foul air. So well, they before thought a lot of sanitary they, systems the, the, were in place. Right. The thought was this air is so foul and it's going you know, in between people, kind of transmission. And so what the masks were, were this long thing that the doctors would wear. Um, I guess they thought maybe birds are immune or something. And so, so it was this long beak with two holes in the beak. And then inside that uh, mask, they would put a combination of like 52 herbs and various things like cinnamon and myrrh and I think it said viper or something. Um, and the idea was that the foul air containing the plague would get into the two holes of the mask, but by the time it got to the doctor's nose or lungs, it would be killed by the, you know, perfumed... Did that prove to be effective? It did not prove to be effective. They found out... That's the name of the guy here, Charles DeLorme, a plague doctor, is credited with coming up with that uniform, but it's... With the completely ineffective But if you look at this now, and and listeners will know the mask we're talking about, it's freaky, it like is. these kinds of things. Yes, it looks like a horror movie. It may Why? encourage social distancing. Like if you have this <laughs> beak sticking out 12, 12 inches above your face, it would be. Uh, but it's not only it's not only scary because it looks kind of weird. It's also scary because the association must have well, been passed down. That it, if somebody shows up with a mask like this. No, but you even see it with with regular masks. I mean, given given our current context and current environment and stuff. Ah. If you see someone with any sort of mask on, like my initial kind of thought in the back of my head is why are they wearing that? Are they wearing that because they're sick and they're not wanting to transmit it? Or are they wearing that because they're afraid of other people and they don't want to catch something, which most of the time they say is not the most effective. Um, but there, there's part where there, there's this visual cue of there should be something, like something physically between us. Right. I think, yeah, it's or, or it's a little bit like to like the kind of Grim Reaper type of thing. Like you, if you see this kind of thing, it means things are bad. Stay away. Yeah. Things are bad like that. It's like last rites or something, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got the collar and the... Um, so I thought the other little article I, I've been enjoying kind of reading articles about, you know, used to be. I didn't know, I knew a little bit about Shakespeare's writing and when he wrote that he wrote mm-hmm. a lot during... Uh, basically plague and that his older siblings had died from the plague mm-hmm. and then he was really protected by his parents but that during his lifetime the theaters closed down all the time they had to close down mass gatherings like something we're experiencing right now mm-hmm. and that a lot of his so-called competitors died oh so that's why he was more famous <laughs> yeah, the competition died off yeah but he was good well, too he was there, there was that the, and that but maybe there were people who were better and we didn't hear about them because they died. I'm just saying. That's possible. It maybe is. They Did you know masks. in Romeo and Juliet, I mean now you know because I told you, in Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> yeah. why the whole plan went awry? Mm-hmm. You know what the plan was, right? 
the, mm-hmm. he was going to pretend to die, if I remember. She was going to. She was going to, she she was was going to take that. a potion. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then uh, Romeo was supposed to be told about this so that he wouldn't think that she was dead. Right. But the, in, the person who was supposed to inform him of this didn't make the meeting. Right. And you know why? No, you why? You don't. I you can't do. remember. Did he die of the plague? Well, th- it was a priest who was okay. going to tell right. Romeo. Yeah. Uh, what had happened and like grade how. 10 was a long time ago so okay so and the priest was visiting another priest just before he had like you know i guess romeo he was meeting romeo at say 2 p.m and he had a, a 1 p.m with a this noon other. a noon meeting with the other priest and he goes to see the other priest i'm the timeline's probably bigger than that but goes to see the other priest and the other priest had been helping the poor right but because the other priest had been helping the poor the plague had been spreading around and so the priest that was supposed to tell romeo about juliet had to quarantine. Mm. I don't remember that. It's play, true. But okay. Go look it up. Okay. I, that's Go look it up. Okay. How can and I take your word on it for this time? I just know that uh, a lot of my arts friends and writers are just, this is another level of anxiety added onto them because, you know, when, when, when Shakespeare was locked down, he wrote King Lear. Like, yeah, he wrote three. Macbeth, King Lear, and some other thing in the one year that the yeah. theaters were closed and stuff. Yeah. You're going to well, get caught up on, uh, you know, yeah, don't Netflix binge. Shows. Yeah, I guess I guess we should all binge view it. We need to do something else. So let, so that's kind of our little entrance into what's going on here because there really is anxiety. People are uncertain. Just we don't have a kind of a plan for this conversation, but just because normally tell we us, do. tell us, you know, what are you feeling? What is s- stuck with you in terms of things you've read? How are things going? I think people are doing awesome. Mm-hmm. I think the medical teams like people stocking shelves at the stores. I have so many people are doing... People are stepping up. People are doing great. Pe- people well, are doing I'm well. I'm so impressed. And, and it's, it's, they're doing well in an area where we just we, we have not prepared for this. I wrote a letter to a bunch of uh, pastors in our community on Saturday and just mentioned there, you know, there was no... None of us went to it, took a seminary course in what to do in the event of a pandemic. And so we're all going to be learning as we go along. And, and I would agree with Rick. I think that none of us have prepared for something like this. It, it seems strange. It, uh, there, there's no metaphor to compare it to that is, that is real to us. And I think overall people are taking it right. Yeah, some people are hoarding their meat supply or their uh, cleaning That's supplies. That's the exception, though. But that clearly. is clearly the exception. Most people are figuring out... now. Depending upon how long this goes, though, it's going to be hard because there's there's mortgage payments that are going to be made need to be made and debt payments and, and well and, and some of those might of not be able to be made and so there's appealing to the banks already to say like right. do some forgiveness and the yeah. and when, banks are known for that. So when that for well. you guys, <laughs> when for you guys was the time in this whole kind of sequence where you kind of accepted, okay, n- nothing calendar wise is certain. That was probably about ten days ago for me. Do you remember what incident or what announcement or? I think um, I, I've been doing a, a bit of reading on different articles and um, articles that are talking with epidemiologists. And I mean, there's only so much that you can expect the predictions that they're making to be accurate. Most of this is unprecedented to a certain degree. Um, but when they're starting to talk about, you know, they're giving estimations of 40 to 70 percent of the population of the world will get this in the next year. And watching countries like Italy, who it goes from, you know, 
some some concern to oh we've got to lock down the north and now the entire country is shut down and those things can happen within the matter of days i went okay i i think that there's going to be or at least there's a really big possibility that most of the things that are on my schedule for the next couple of months may need to be adjusted any of the things where there's a gathering well and i mean i think particularly like we have um you know family members who have compromised uh, health issues so we're trying to do what we can to keep them safe i don't know if that's possible um as much as we can but but i i also i also want to be very appreciative and and very grateful for for the people in in countries like china and italy and spain that have undergone this and that we have had a chance to look at and learn from and see what measures were effective what measures were ineffective because those are lessons that that were bought with like literal human lives in some cases and i want to take that seriously and i think that that to me it feels disrespectful to a certain point to to not take things seriously so what when for you guys rick or ken when was the time where you're like okay no really everything's kind of tentative now at best probably just in the last 24 to 48 hours for me uh we had friends who were supposed to be going off on a vacation to costa rica and and within hours of them leaving they realized we can't actually leave and then more more things began to come out so i think it was probably within the last 48 hours that i realized okay this is going to be um, this is going to be significant. I'm slow on the uptake anyways, as a general rule. So <laughs> for me, it was, generally. it was, um, that when the NBA announced mm. and then later on that night, the NHL said, well, we'll have an announcement tomorrow. And there's this like, and well, they're still going to play to empty stadiums or something like that. Right. And then, yeah. and then it's like, no, we're suspending. And then you kind of go through this next thing of like, oh, that's going to be a couple of weeks or a few weeks. And then you're like, eh. Looks like it's it's going to be a long time, Rick. No, I was going to say, yeah, uh, for me, it was Friday, Friday morning, because um, I worked on a, a play that's right. open and current and, um, you know, getting rave reviews. And it's one of the favorite things I've ever worked on. And then getting the email from the, the director of the theater that, that uh, immediately they're shutting the show. And that it just was so shocking, like. Well, and you know, I knew, okay, well, maybe in a few weeks I'll have to, and, you know, so there's a bit of denial of, oh, okay, well, that one's shut, but what about the next one? And then now yeah. realizing they're not really, you know, even, they're going ahead. I know rehearsals are happening for the next show. And do you know if the one that you, the first one you mentioned, is that being rescheduled or is there any? No, theater's so ephemeral. It just, that's, you know, it, if, if you ever, it just, it happens and it's gone. And, uh, you know, everyone's saying remount, remount, but. Time will just march on. It's like an ice sculpture. Once yeah. it melts, it melts. The next, there'll be different plays to do. There'll be more plays to do. And, you know. It's interesting, right? This this concept of letting go of things, which is hard well, and for it's very, any of us. And it's been very costly for some people. Super costly. Like we have friends who work in tourism industry or whatever. I think of our friend who works at Rocky Mountaineer. And, yeah. and you know, that's a we were just it's talking train. to You're just just it. here out at the winery, talking to friends whose uh, son runs a coffee shop and a, a chain of coffee shops, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and their daughter does too. They yeah. two different coffee shops, so that's an that's interesting right. family. Yeah. And today, yeah. our, anyway, our <laughs> prime minister today it was like, as we were driving out here, we heard this like, "Don't leave your house," kind of thing, right? And I guess like, well, we well, were if driving, you if so. you don't need to, yeah, if you don't need yeah. to. I mean, so that's there, the there, there so is something to be said. I would think a latte is a not need to. Unfortunately. Um, I mean, there's something mm. to be said when there's a lot of um, when there's there's a lot of p- 
people who are doctors or who are experienced in, you know, infectious diseases who are saying the time to be socially distancing is before you think you need to be socially distancing. And unfortunately, they're like, if this is effective, it won't look like you did it for anything. But you need to trust us that these sorts of measures taken when you don't think you need to do them will actually save lives as far as infections. But also the bigger thing is, and I know this term's going around a lot, like flattening the curve, which will be life and death to a lot of our healthcare workers and our healthcare system. Like I just, I think of, we have several friends that are are nurses or doctors or, or work in the healthcare system. And I have nothing but an enormous amount of adoration for the risk that they are taking and for what I'm anticipating is going to be really long shifts, really I, long yeah, days. And, that's, uh, and I want to do what I can to try to make that in any way easier for them. And then in my own, I, I know I need to f- fight against it because I, I just with social media, um, if I see one more post kind of in a weird way complaining that not enough people are dying. You know, oh, it's only killed this many, and the oh. flu kills this many people, so why are we taking this so seriously? And I just want to reach through my computer but and punch them in the face. I understand that, yeah. but also what's the, like there was an article in the New York Times this morning um, trying responsibly to say there are some, you know, professors and various people throughout the states who are asking that question in responsible ways. They're saying, what does it mean to overreact? Right. And I think, I mean, we don't know, and it hasn't been, so... That's the, we've all heard that, right? We've all heard, you know, the, the more kind of um, aggressive ways of saying this is no big deal or whatever, which it, right, it clearly right. is. Yeah. But the truth is our uncertainty also includes that. Also includes well, we're taking huge yeah. measures yeah. and we hope that these measures are so effective that in the end people will, will be able to say they weren't needed. Right. Yes. That's a hard kind well, of... Well, and, and that's what yeah. these, these, these doctors that I've, that I've been reading quoted... Um, are saying that they're like, this, if it is effective, which the time to do that is now, right. like if it is effective, it, people will be able to say, we didn't need to do it. Yeah, yeah. which which it's <laughs> yeah. just, it's a very anticlimactic well, thing. And it totally has that feel of, but but they're not talking about me. Me. Like they're not, they're not talking about this. Like, yeah. like sure. This is fine, like the four of us getting together and recording a thing. Right. I'm um, keeping my dist- just to be yeah. clear. There's, no, there's but a lot true, of right? hand like sanitizer. I, I for, for me, one of the other things that made it a bit more real was on Saturday, I went to go see my dad. My dad's in a care home. Your dad is how old? He spo- he's turning 90 next week. In, uh, in we a were care so- home in North Vancouver. In North Vancouver. We were supposed mm-hmm. to be having his 90th birthday. My two sisters were going to fly in. For it, one of them has now said that she's just not because there's a sign on the door saying my. So someone in my family had a had just a cough this week, and it was really just a cough. Uh, But because she's had a cough now, I can't go in and see my dad. And my dad keeps calling me, asking me if I'm going to come in. And because just called you like five minutes ago, just five minutes. And because of his memory stuff, he doesn't remember that I can't come in because of. So you're having to re-explain that re, every time. Re-explain it. And he's going to be very lonely. Like, they're yeah. shutting down some of the things that normally go on in these places. So I really feel for uh, the people in the care homes and their and the people who are working there, um, you know, n- over and above their normal thing, they're now needing to take on some of the responsibility that volunteers would sometimes do. Um, so that's another, that's another place where what, it's What tough. do you think... Um, I mean, ask this kind of a general question. What do you think people are anxious about? I mean, uh, to me, I talk to a lot of people, well, both family I, members, friends, I think whoever. Less There's people a are concerned 
about getting sick because for the majority of the population, it's not going to be a fatal thing. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned about, or at least getting sick themselves. They're concerned about people in their lives who could potentially get very sick with this. They're concerned about whether they're going to have jobs to go back to. Right. They're concerned about like if, if schools are closed, which it seems like that is very, very real a possibility for people who can't work from home. What do they do with childcare? How do they do that? Who can they trust if they're supposed to be socially isolating? You Especially just because daycares are also being closed. Exactly. closed. Daycares are closed. So a lot of people who could go to work if that's... I think, I think the financial part of it is, is a big concern for people too, is, is, is you know, how many paychecks can I, can can I, I miss? miss? And, and yeah, the government's going to be doing some stuff and, and the indication they will do something significant. Uh, but still, you know, we have, bill, we have bills to pay... Um, some of us are looking for jobs. Not a lot of people are looking to do interviews and hiring right now. Yeah, because sure. yeah. Well, and I think of stuff like we've got our, our three-year-old at home. And although we're, we're trying to be responsible with, with staying away from people like, and not touching them and stuff like that, it means that my three-year-old is essentially isolated to our property because he doesn't understand how to not put his hands all over everything and then put his hands in his mouth and in my mouth and on my face. And like, so we're having to right. keep him, like my eight-year-old can understand to a certain degree, but my toddler, like he, he just doesn't get it. And so like, he's going to be- My 14-year-old doesn't either. Yeah, that's a little more concerning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, you, you asked kind of the question of the nature of anxiety. There's been a number of articles too on, on anxiety and, mm -hmm. you know, what if you generally struggle with anxiety in the first place? Does this kick you into a worse thing or does this? And I think as I've kind of, you know, talked to a number of people and, and even, you know, looking at my, how I'm receiving kind of news all the time. And cause I'll watch like a lot of news on it or read a lot of articles. And then after a certain amount of time, there's like, Oh, I'm starting to feel a you, few of the symptoms or something. Well, I've just needed to stop at certain points. Yeah. You like do, I needed to intentionally just like ignore things. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, the general anxiety is that, you know, everything we thought was certain or almost everything we thought we thought was certain is. And so you kind of think what else and what is next? Like, what's the next thing now that, you know, and then, oh, no, like, what about bills? And well, what and I this? think that that as as kind of like this, this current generation or series of generation, like most of us have lived with a relatively in, in the communal sense, a, a a level of comfort, a level of, of certainty, at least as a community. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think back to people like my grandparents who, who went through the Great Depression, who went through World War II, those sorts of things. And like they understood what it meant to have everything feel a little uncertain at least. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I'm like trying to explain to my eight-year-old why her birthday next week, we can't really do a birthday party. Mm -hmm. And... And she doesn't quite get it. But she she kind of does. She kind of does. She's not, yeah. There's, it's that uncertainty of not not knowing and not, is, do you think that's made easier by the fact that, like, this is everybody. We're all in this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I, I think that's definitely everyone. And it's not just everyone in my community. It's It's everyone around the world. And I think... We are incredibly privileged to be living in Canada. I can't imagine if you were going through this and you were living in a place like Syria where it's already war-torn yeah. and the oh war is still going on. Or in a lot of countries in Africa where the medical system is already 
um, yeah. at, at, mm-hmm. you know, at the Pass breaking tax. point. And, yeah. and, and so, and we don't have to worry about paying to go see our doctor or anything like that. Like, I think we're uh, in, we're really, really privileged to be in the country that we're in and to be able to wait this out mm-hmm. w- where we are and that we have a place to live. Like, again, um, if you're homeless, oh. what does it mean to stay How at your home? Like I, I don't know. Stay, stay at home. That doesn't. Well, or even things like yeah, if you're staying in a shelter, or if you're like, or in like the tent, the tent city in downtown safe. Vancouver, right? Or, or at, prison at or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the question for me then becomes, what what hope can we offer? What what is the role? And and I, I don't want to say just the people of faith. I think it's of of, of mm. all of us to be able to offer hope. And I and, and I guess I would hope that. The church could find a way to to lead that by example, um, but even this week there's lots of conversations going on in churches. Should we meet? Should we not meet? Uh, you know, we'll all be lost if we don't have communion this week, uh, or or are we going to? And how do you limit to only fifty people if you normally have three hundred? Uh, but but what becomes? Where where is the hope in there? Where is the goodness of? What are we hoping humanity steps up and, and does in the context of this? Yeah, I think like one of the interesting questions you see being asked right now, not only in whether it's faith circles or any kind of community, is like I heard today that the New York the the Met Opera is is free online now, right? Yeah. While you're and VSO so did that. The Vancouver artists, yeah. There's been a bunch of, of companies stepping up and trying to make well, and like thinking of um, kids on spring break. Like I know like Scholastic has come out. They're like we have up to three hours of online learning that you mm-hmm. can do if your kids aren't going back to oh, school. Oh, my kids will be so thrilled with that. I That's know. Hey, it, my kids still think it's games. But it, so. is, but it is the question. The question is, what does it mean to turn towards people now? Yeah. Yeah. And you and see, well, you see businesses who, who have started doing things like opening for one hour before specifically for seniors who are a more vulnerable population to give them space in the stores, to give them fully stocked shelves so that they can get what they need. Oh, that's fantastic. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of businesses that I've seen doing that because they're, they're a population where it's, it's harder for them to get out to begin with. And I can't imagine like the fear if you're in your seventies or your eighties and you go and, and you can't get what you need. Um, so there's been some really cool things that are coming out of that, but I, I feel for, I, I have friends who work in, in retail and have seen their hours cut and have seen, um, you know, just kind of warnings coming out from their companies about potential closures. And so there, there's part where I feel like the, the call is, is towards compassion and towards, caring for for one another because that's it's interesting right it's the thing well, that people makes have you very real fears or even if they're not completely founded people are still feeling them like it feels it feels so real and so i think that the call is to to reach out in love and to reach out in compassion and to see what we can do to help each other and the but thing that the makes you feel better is to have a conversation with someone like i've seen that yeah. in the family i've seen that that you know just it's a little hard to talk. find a topic other than this to talk it's about. It's a challenge too, like to when to stop to, talking oh, did you about see it. The, did you see the game? Well, there's you know, nothing else. There's, yeah. there's yeah. nothing else. I mean, it, even the weather seems. And um, then there's the negative things that do come out. We saw that guy. I know Rick saw this as well. The well, they were brothers in the southern states that went and bought like up for 1,300 miles or something, or you know, 100. No, sorry, 130 miles all of the uh, hand sanitizer. Mm. And so they had like garages full of this stuff and then it was in the New York Times and then they mm. 
started getting death threats and all this <laughs> stuff. So well, now they've you know, donated it. They've given it away. And, I mean, and that's, that's not a, a good response either to, to threaten people. I can understand the anger. I mean, I, mean, I haven't had a difficulty locating toilet paper or hand sanitizer and stuff, but I understand why people are frustrated, but I'm like, I, I don't think we need it's to be calling it's, for it's, death it's threats here. Yeah, no, we, I mean... That's not helpful. The call-out culture. Uh, yeah. The left and the right, the extremes are silly on both sides. I mean, the problem is so-and-so or... Mm-hmm. And it is... It is capitalism, though. I mean, if you, you, you go out, you corner capitalism. the market, you uh, sell it at a higher higher price than you bought it for. But well, the, the interesting thing is... The way I, the system should And these work. articles are showing up more and more now, too, where... I read one about the uh, earthquake in Alaska in the 1960s, mm-hmm. the Anchorage earthquake, which was like 9.2, crazy yeah. severe earthquake. And yeah. I've we've seen books like this too um, that talk about what happens in times of severe crisis, whether right. it's a natural disaster. What tends to happen is people help each other. Yeah, yeah. You know the stories of looting and whatever else, whatever else are always overblown, and that mostly what people do is help one another. Yeah, well, and, and so I think we're seeking the ways to do that now. Well, we, I was just going to say, you saw that in the, in the streets of Italy. Like, I don't know how widespread it was, but you saw the stories of people standing in their balconies singing. Like, the streets are empty, applauding the healthcare workers. And, and, and stuff like that. Um, I think it would be more beneficial to our community if I didn't stand on my balcony and sing. I think people would appreciate that. So that'll be my Just gift. if you were a little quiet about it. Other people oh, okay. Well, and I mean, this reminds me of, like quote from from Mr. Rogers, oh, love him, where he's talking about, like, in times of crisis, look for those who are helping. Like, hmm. that's that's where you can find hope, is that people look for the helpers. It, and it, there is something in that when that happens, that, you know, human spirit or the the connection of hopefulness that that does then, where, where was I ever looking for certainty in the first place? Yeah. For certainty from calendar, from a sports league, from... You know, From where the stock market happens to be at. Right. Well. Could I now seek to discover that more in another person, even including a person I don't know, that did, did this astounding thing in this time of difficulty or uncertainty or crisis, and so that I could be compelled by hope rather than fear? There is, there is no shortage of fear around. It's going to be there, and there's nothing that we can do about it, um, except lean in the direction of hope and there is going to be more and more there are going to be more and more stories like that and we do want to you know say a blessing to those who are working in in fields of healthcare, Mm -hmm. to those and of course there's just four of us sitting here but we can name a ton of friends and family members who are working in those fields and you know god bless those people and to people who are uncertain about their health like what if what if they catch this that they might be in the risk group or whatever it is and so uh what does it mean i haven't had a time like this in my life and neither of you guys um you know we can talk about incidental things whether it's illness or or loss of a level nothing on this sort of scale though right but where we walk out we walk out into this landscape we're looking out at this winery we're looking at this you know but it is not certain like it was just days ago and so we don't ever want to say we're grateful for that, no. but we do want to say, what does it mean for me to be human now? Because now is different than 10 days ago. And so I'm going to try that. I'm going to lean into that. And mm-hmm. we, as much as we have a voice with this little thing or the people <laughs> we connect with, to seek to do the same thing. And to, I'm trying to remind myself, yeah, like make, make four phone calls, right? Yeah. Um, a day, because there are people who are 
Well, check in. Yeah, check in. And so uh, uh, anything else, any other articles you saw or any other questions you have around this? And, you know, maybe we'll keep talking about this and put more in more stuff up as, as it goes along here. No, I mean, I nothing more than I've already said. I think that it's it's uh, it, it is an unusual time. It'll, it'll be interesting to see whether how we respond after that's all this just that's the last thing i was the gonna recovery ask. well and are we going to go back to the old habits so right now i think that this trip this interview this uh thing i was supposed this meeting i was supposed to be at or my stocks these are the most important things in my life or paying attention to the sports numbers or whatever um and right now that's all being reoriented into there is something more important will we be more grateful it yeah will we actually be or will it very quickly go back to the way it was and the most important thing is you know where's my am i getting a good deal on this product by going to this store versus that store like is any of this actually going to change long-term things or is it a reduction i thought of that for myself and i thought you know i'm looking forward to being grateful for meaningless things again Mm. like that that uh i'll be super glad when there's a first NHL hockey game again. And I accept at the same time that it's relatively meaningless other than right. it's a business and people make their living yep. and whatever else. But, um, but, but just to be in that place where it's like, those things aren't, aren't meaningless though. Like they, they aren't like they're, they're, they're places where communities gather. They're, right. they're, they're commonalities that people have with, with family members, maybe that they don't have anything else to talk about. Like they're they're points of connection for people. Will there be communal celebrations when this is done? I hope so. To kind of say we're gathering together. You know, as long as you don't touch each well, other. Yeah. yeah, well, handshakes end or something like that, right? I'd but, be okay uh, with the elbow bump coming in. Yeah, it's um. So and for introverts, this is actually kind of comforting. Is it? Well, you're, are to you an introvert? A Am I an introvert? Even How long have we known each other? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, big introvert me. <laughs> I'm kind of, am I an introvert? You know yes. these things. I am? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not comforted, but <laughs> I know what you're saying. But uh, like I, I, am, I am really already looking forward to that, of course everybody is, to the other side of this. Yeah. And we will get there. The truth is we don't know the cost and we have had generations before us who have faced things like this where they don't know what the cost will be in terms of lives and suffering and, and loss. And yeah. the transcendent things haven't changed. Beauty, we're sitting here, it's beautiful out, and it's still beautiful. There is still goodness. What's the third one? Goodness, beauty, and truth. truth. Um, and at least goodness and beauty are still, yeah. still really strong and out there. So we want you to know, those who are listening and kind of... Uh, um, taking in as much news or maybe not as much as us or whatever. I think everybody, including people who don't regularly follow the news, there's a little more following of it now. Um, try to turn it off enough to um, yeah. to watch something else or to... But literally, I mean, well, actually, we are, we are with you in this. We all are in this together. It's interesting because you call somebody who lives in a completely different place and there's often that sense of like whether it's geography or that they're living a different kind of reality and now it's no everybody's dealing with this so yeah we're at the beginning of a big adventure did you have anything else it's true well it's going to have all the elements yeah it's going to have tragedy and it's going to have joys and we're going to go through it yeah so bless you allison did you have Mm -hmm. anything else no no i'm good i was told it's not appropriate to binge watch outbreak and contagion and other movies like that i I, I don't know how helpful that'll be for your (laughs) mental health there there may just be too many things that are hitting a little too close to home yeah okay 
All right. Well, I'm going to end. I'm going to end with a prayer. All right. Here on this, um, we're out here. We can hear the voices of people picking up their cases of wine. It's fantastic. Stocking up for their. I'm going to. I'm going to uh, stock up for the apocalypse <laughs> right now. So, as we're looking out the vineyards, we would say, "Dear God, would you protect and bless your people, all people? Be with those who are in desperate straits, those who are ill and uncertain, and help us to know what it means at this point to love one another and to turn towards one another." We ask. Amen. 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 Thank you very much.